The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome back to the Lead Pursuit Podcast. Tonight, we're going to be wrapping up 2023 and covering the new FAQ for Blood Red Skies. But before we can address that document, we have a few frequently asked questions for the Lead Pursuit team from our loyal listeners. All right, first up is for Brett. Listener Jason F. writes, I hear that the only beard conditioner you use are the tears of your tight-turning opponents. When you play the card, I know your type. Is that true? I can neither confirm nor deny that. (laughs) Standard Ranger answer. I see how it is. All right. Well, that's fine. You know, we had some other questions. Uh, We don't have Matt, uh, Casey, uh, or Chris on the podcast, so we'll get their questions to them later. Uh, But Steve, he's got a question from longtime podcast listener Don A, who says, how do you sleep at night knowing that you've become the guy that recommends Blood Red Skies to so many gamers out there? who've now impoverished themselves with plastic and resin and are feeling the wrath of their spouses. What do you have to say to that? It's, it's uh, actually my duty <laughs> since my wife has been pissed at me since I mortgaged our house to uh, prototype neoprene ship targets. And I've only sold one. <laughs> exactly. Of only, hey, I, I, I got a few. Happen. If anyone wants some ship targets, I've got some for sale. Yeah, no, that didn't work out so well, did it? But that's all right. But, you know, there's there's even a question for me. Uh, yeah, I've got one here somewhere. Let me see. where. Is, oh, there it is. Okay. One of our biggest fan, Tom C., writes to us from the Lone Star Republic, a.k.a. the state of Texas. He says, I can't help but notice the uncam- uncanny resemblance between yourself and President Zelensky of Ukraine. Is a dashingly handsome man such as yourself often mistaken for him in public? Uh, sadly, no, which is actually probably good because... Neither Russian assassins nor Russian apologists try to take me out at the knees. So, no, no one confuses me with President Zelensky. Anyway, all right. Well, hey, welcome to the podcast. Had to add a little levity there. We're going to jump straight into the upcoming schedule. The two things that we have to talk about are Siege of Vicksburg. Yep, remember, that has moved. So Siege of Vicksburg will now be 17 to 19 February. Uh, That'll be the third annual Steve Toth Memorial. BRS tournament. <laughs> Hopefully we'll have a few more players, uh, but it will be in Vicksburg this year. It should be at the VFW there in Vicksburg. More details to come on what we're doing, but I'm planning on attending. Uh, I'm sure President's Day weekend, the rest of you yahoos probably are not going to make it to Vicksburg, Mississippi. Nope. Shaking heads. No. Yeah. All right. Then obviously the big event of the year, Deptcon 2024, Blood Red Skies, Aeronautica Imperialis, painting classes, open painting area, and lots of beer, beer and more beer. So always a good time. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, But that's all I have to say about the schedule. Let's skip over that because nobody really cares what we're doing in the next few months. we got a little bit of a breather. Let's talk about what has hit the street. Steve, the F-100 Super Saber. 
It actually just hit the store today. We're recording this on the 28th, so it just made it up onto the store today. Tell us about doing the F100. That's good, man. I liked it. Uh, the STL is going to be up on the Blue Falcon store if you're interested in the uh, the file to do your own 3D printing. Uh, yeah, it turned out really nice. Cool looking jet, man. The, the F100 really 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 like doing that yeah yeah a lot of fun and we've got some more coming up uh, other aircraft besides that uh also hitting the store today the f4b phantom 2 and the mig 21 pfm those uh, we haven't been talking about a whole lot we've uh, we've had those sitting in the hopper waiting to go now that we're doing some more vietnam stuff those are out so uh, take a look order those in one 200 scale and they paint up nicely we'll have to get some images up of how they all paint up but steve's not yeah what would be a what would be a I got a question. What would be the classic opponent to the F one hundred? MiG seventeen. So F one hundred, MiG seventeen, North Vietnam, Rolling Thunder, nineteen sixty five. So that would be your matchup. Uh and you know, ironically enough, uh the F one hundred I guess got a reputation for not doing well against the uh MiG seventeen, even though the F four did even worse. Uh, but the uh, early on, the MiG-17 was kind of the plane to beat. So F-100s, F-4s matched up against that, and then eventually rolling out MiG-21s. You guys want to do some Vietnam when we're at uh, Adepticon? <laughs> yeah, 100%. We might have some uh, new new uh, additions to that Vietnam lineup by the time we roll into Adepticon. Exactly. Looking forward to that. I know you and I talked about that today and what our next plans are, and that would be cool to uh, expand that Vietnam lineup and get some other aircraft out there. Well, Steve's not the only one making models. So we have contracted with Roman with uh, Plane Printer for some exclusive models. You've seen some of them already, uh, such as the Super Mystere, the Mystere 4. We have now added a few more, things like the Vatura Bomber, we now have a MiG-19S out there. The Fallen Nat has also been out there. So if you want to do Indo-Pack and fly that tiny little jet, fly the uh, the Hot Shots jet <laughs> against, uh, against the uh, F-86s, you can do that. Uh, and we also have Canberras. So we've got uh, two, possibly a third version of the Canberra showing up here soon. We've got the Mark II and the Mark VIII that will be out in the store after the first of the year. And then we should have a B-57 shortly thereafter. So you can do that for Vietnam. You can do that for Indo-Pak and a couple other uh, scenarios out there. So lots of models hitting the streets. We're really looking to push with Wing Commander all of the late 1950s, early 1960s kind of scenarios and do some of that Blood Red Skies. We will be playing those at Adepticon. That will be on thinking here thursday uh thursday will be wing commander day so we'll play those scenarios but we'll have the models uh and the mats and everything available so if you want to do it some other day absolutely just roll on by and we will play some of those scenarios all right anything else you want to say about models steve any other sneaky things no uh i guess the only other thing is might be putting the STL out for the Corsair that is available in the physical model right. in the lead pursuit store. We might throw that up there in a package where you can buy a couple different versions of the Corsair for one purchase. But uh, yeah, I mean, doing these jets is kind of fun. It's fun to revisit these like 60s, 70s jets. Oh yeah. Right? They're, they're some of my favorites cool. and, and they fit well into the blood red skies, missile rules, and they don't break the game. Uh, and they're, and they're a lot of fun. It's a whole new era to fly into. So pretty. Yeah. I hope it like leads people 
more people to to get into these missile rules too because i think those games play uh they play really different yeah. and it's a really really fun style but a dragonfly would be yeah cool it, it would be fun it would be slow but it would be fun <laughs> of course never trust any airplane you can stand flat-footed and piss into but that's what my flight instructors used to say about the a37 but yeah no it'd be that'd be a fun strike airplane to have uh, in some of the scenarios all right, well, let's move on from all that new stuff that's out there to talk about the FAQ. Just want to go through it quickly. There's not a whole lot of big changes, but I did want to talk about a few of the new things that are in there that people may or may not uh, be aware of. Uh, let's cover kind of the admin stuff first. You know, there's there's some updates to the aircraft data card section. Uh, there's a couple of updates they missed. Uh, there's some errata uh, from Wing Commander that got missed, but you know, once again, FAQs are a work in progress. Hopefully those will get added in uh, in the later versions. But what did they change? All right. The uh, A6M50 is now 33, goes from 33 to 38 points, which matches the December 22 uh, master list that's in Wing Commander. So just cleaning up some of the information between Wing Commander and the FAQ to make sure it's correct. Um, there are problems like the P38J, and P51D are still listed with their old point value. Um, the J it listed as 59. That's now 60 points per the master list. Uh, and the D still shows 44 points. The master list is 43. So, yeah, there's still some cleanup. Yeah, it still means if you're going to a tournament event, use the master list. Don't use the FAQs. Don't use the um, wing commander point values. Go with the master list because there's just some typos that um, slid their way in there and haven't been fixed. All right, so let's see. Let's look at some of the other stuff here. What else has changed? All right, um, you know, Wing Commander has a couple inconsistencies in formatting uh, that also come over from the master list. So if you have any question, if you're looking at some of these aircraft, let's say that have two numbers and don't show a number in parentheses, so you don't know which one's the old value, go to the go to the uh, um, master list because a couple of the examples I didn't pull them up here. I'll have to open up the uh, uh, wing commander and take a look at it. Uh, you know, long story short, doesn't have the um, it, it has two point values listed on some of the lines where there should have only been one. So go back, check that one. All right, let's see here. Let's open up the rest of the FAQ from 2023. Um, it's gonna be a side note, Ken. I know you've been churning about updates to the master list. How about we reformat the master list? Let's clean it up. <laughs> Let's make it look much better. Uh, the uh, the guys over at uh, at Warlord made some mistakes importing it. They did some cut and paste errors. Uh, so maybe that means it's our opportunity to actually clean up the master list and get rid of some of the crazy colors and other stuff. All right. What else gets FAQ'd? Uh, there's a lot of errata in there for Wing Commander. So... Near and dear to my heart, it fixes the uh, Sidewinder Strike scenario and fixes the force list. So it gives you the correct forces in there uh, instead of having uh, forces from the Korea scenario stuck in the uh, in the Taiwan Straits. Um, it does fix the aircraft availability charts. So there were a couple errors in y'all's uh, chart in the, when they reformatted it. When they put it in there. So um, it's got the P38, the P38J, YAC9T, and the YAC-UT uh, are in there. So they fixed the aircraft availability chart mistakes that they created when they cut and pasted y'all's 
uh, campaign data. Um, also, there's some transposition errors in there that, you know, I think the way we always remembered it was low rolls are bad, high rolls are good. So there's a couple things that they had changed and done backwards and otherwise. So that's that's been fixed in the errata and FAQ. Um, but there's still errors in there. So some of them uh, are, are things that, you know, frustrate myself and Dan Dion, guys that wrote scenarios for it. Uh, but they don't they're not game breakers. Um, so if you look at Dan's scenario for uh, sinking the Hiei carrier, however you pronounce that, I assume, assume I'm pronouncing it wrong, but I'm terrible at speaking Japanese. Uh, the doctrine cards are wrong in there. Um, there's some incorrect stuff for the Pakistani uh, and uh, Indian scenarios for like the uh, Pakistani F-104, supposed to be its own squadron, so that the one boom chit makes a difference. Um, and, and that kind of stuff's fine. All right. More importantly, a couple things didn't make the FAQ cut that I want to talk with the group about. So Steve and Brett, one of the things that was addressed directly after the FAQ came out was multiple aces in a list. Now, do either of you remember what Andy came out and said his direction on how to use multiple aces in a tournament list was? I think it was multiple aces with the same ace trait, wasn't right. it? That was that was what he wanted to do away with. Yeah. He Yeah. His determination was that you shouldn't be doing that because ace traits are supposed to be like a a unique random thing, I believe right. was the determination yep. on that, correct? That, and that's what he said is he his intent thinking about it was ace traits should be a unique skill to that ace. If you do have a batch of aces in a unit, which historically did happen a couple times, uh, if you have a batch of aces in there, they should all have a different secret move <laughs> that they're doing, you know? So you shouldn't be taking three aces with aggressive. You should take one ace with aggressive and pick different, different aces. What do you, yeah, it would just be kind of an exploit otherwise. Yeah, really, and right? and it also helps you know simplify uh, and and force people to play the ace that's in the combat the way they're supposed to. You know, so it's not like if you you always have aggressive cards because all your aces are aggressive, then it doesn't really matter which ace does what. You know, and so you always have cards. Um, whereas you know, Steve and I played one with three aces where I had a different ace trait. Uh, or sorry, two aces on my uh, my hurricanes, different ace traits, and so you always ended up going, "Oh man, I wish this trait was on the other ace who's engaged doing something different." So it, it adds tension. I think it's I think it's pretty. Yeah, I guess that's what I mean by an exploit because I don't have any uh, heartburn with somebody, you know, doing some serious list hammer for a tournament tournament context. But I think from a practicality yep. standpoint having different i mean i guess the only other way you could maybe manage that if you really wanted to go crazy with multiple you'd have to like number the card or something so you know who right. it belonged to maybe well or something, so that it's still individualized maybe on the table even though it's right we and trait. that's just not worth it that's too much record keeping kind of kind of defeats the purpose right uh, but what i i have noticed is that when you have multiple aces it is worthwhile to talk to your opponent and say okay which aircraft which ace has got which trait so that that you understand this is a tournament setting. This is not a historical battle. I need to know which eight, which ace has which exploit um, so that I can I can properly fly against that uh, if there's multiple aces out there. And that that should be pretty easy. You can either mark the ace base uh, 
with the pencil or something. Uh, we've done that a couple times, uh, or make it you know obvious as to which one, which which marking is which. So I don't think it's going to be a huge change to a lot of people's tactics. There's only a couple people that were running with all ace lists, uh, and quite frankly, we had exploited it just being able to be lazy and have the same card. So that's gone. Suck it yeah, up. I think <laughs> this just kind of falls into the like. Don't be a D bag at the tournament. Pool, <laughs> it, do, right? it does. Like, it does. Like, dude, if you're gonna bring multiple aces, make sure you tell the guy like this ace is on this plane or this. You know, I mean, just have some common sense about it, right? And I guess when you get into the named aces and they start to have like multiple yeah. traits, right? Like, yeah. it could get kind of a little. But like, just before the game starts, when you're doing deployment, just like talk to the person like a human being and let them know what your ten intent is with the list. So you can deal with any of those issues before it becomes a, a potential. Exploit, yeah. Right? It's to me, it's no different than if you're playing and I'll use, you know, uh, heresy 30 K as an example. If I show up and I have my Imperial fist list list with very specific tactics and doctrines and Legion traits and, you know, all these things, I'm just going to hand my opponent a list, first of all, and then we say, hey, do you need me to explain any of these? Do you know how bolter drill works and all that stuff and, and all these different things to just to remind them uh, not to be dumb? And they probably know they probably know how my tactics work, but um, you might find a new or young or inexperienced player and uh, they wouldn't. So I think in BRS, we should have the same courtesy, explain what our list is, what our cards are. After you've chosen your your theater cards at the table, you know, make sure your opponent knows what the, they are and as you play them. Um, and then if there's any question, have that discussion. And more importantly, and I say this being a tournament organizer, uh, don't be concerned about calling the judge on something. If there's a question, if there's a concern, because there is some vague wording. And as we've seen in the FAQs, there's some weird card interactions. And so if there's a question and maybe both of you aren't as spooled up on the FAQ and you're like, okay, which takes effect first, heavy flak presence or low altitude tactics. Um, and that's been FAQ'd and, and said, hey, heavy flak presence happens as soon as you activate. Then as soon as you activate your loyalty tactics or loyalty performance, sorry, um, moves you up and makes you no longer disadvantaged. But it's it's those iterations. If you don't understand it, ask. Uh, and if neither of you know, ask a judge, ask a TO. So don't be a D bag. I think you're, you're absolutely right there, Steve. That's that's the biggest rule. So that's totally going to change Brett's playing style. Right, Brett? You Let me clarify. <laughs> I said, don't be a D bag. In the tournament, right? So like, you can be a D-bag you know, in your personal life. Whatever. To- <laughs> Other times, it's up to you. You know, use it your own discretion. But in the tournament, you know, let's have just like some fun when we're playing, right? Okay. That's so so you can totally take Steve's margarita and instead of a salt rim, have a hot sauce and, and spicy Taijin rim on it and surprise him with that. <laughs> That's not being a D-bag. Uh, all right. Any questions on multiple aces and multiple ace traits? I'll be honest, I was happy to see people play named aces at this last tournament. Uh, hopefully some more people will try named aces. I think uh, I, I think if you pick the right one uh, and make those those ace traits fit with your doctrines, I think there's a lot of a lot of fun that can can be had. What do you think? High risk, high reward? It is. That? It absolutely is because you're you're paying extra points. You're paying 25 extra points, but you are unlocking a second ace trait and you are getting a bonus to firepower, agility, something else. So I, 
you know, I, I tend to think, um, it's a, it's a big cost. You're eating pretty much another level or more, depending on, on who they are, uh, of pilot skill from somebody else. But, you know, Steve and I played a tournament test game and I tried out Hartman and it was murderous, but I can see how maybe it would, uh, you know, it was murderous that in that one round, you know, but you know, could have not gone my way and all those points. Yeah. It's a big yeah. point sink. I haven't, I haven't done it in, a, in an actual tournament. Yet. Yeah. I think it'll, it'll be something to see how it tries. Uh, if I end up playing in, uh, the tournament at, uh, Siege of Vicksburg again this year, then I'll, I'll probably try it, uh, because the name days, George Preddy did do well last year. So I'll try something on this end. So. All right. Well, that brings up, Oh, okay. go ahead. Are the named aces like is George Preddy locked into a P thirty eight? No, 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 no. So like they're locked into like single engine fighters gotcha. or certain classes of aircraft. So none okay. of them are locked into an airframe by name. So that's that's the other cool thing. Uh, you could be a little ahistorical and you could put them in a variety of different aircraft. Uh, but yeah, exactly. P twenty six P shooters. That's a great plan. No, that's a terrible plan. <laughs> I don't want to see that. That that would be the clown shoes army. I don't really want to see that show up and fly around. Yeah, exactly. Snapper. Yeah. Oh <laughs> god, what a horrible, horrible little airplane. <laughs> All right, but this this question does pose an issue that we've talked about a little bit, and it's actually changing a little bit of how we've played. So Leslie caught it as we were talking through it uh, in the ready room. And talking about how many cards you can play in a, quote, turn. Now, the rule book does say turn. It really has been unofficially FAQ'd to mean activation. I kind of wish Andy would come out and say, either rewrite the wording of that or say, no, what we mean is during an activation. So, yes, the same plane can play, for example, multiple robust cards every time it gets shot at in a different activation. Yes, that is okay. Um, but I, I wish we would clarify that a little bit in FAQ. Go ahead, Steve. You. Yeah, and I think actually it wasn't uh, activation. I think the term that was settled on was interaction. Right, right. Yeah, so it, even if it's the same activation, if it's interacting with a different uh, mechanic right. every time. It and it could be if, you, if you're that. shot at in the, in the first phase and then shot at in the pilot action, you can yeah. play a robust card in either one of those with the same defending aircraft. Nothing... Nothing prevents you from doing that. Um, or if you have certain, you know, doctrine cards and you've rolled and you've kept the doctrine card or you played a bonus card to get rid of it, you can still keep using that when you're getting shot at. So, y yes, you can defensive tactics your way and, and you know, sidewinder your way around on that. Um, so there's there's an important point to remember there. But but one of the areas we would kind of glossed over um, is, as Leslie, Leslie said, but I always believed you could only play one card apart from bonus cards, but you seem to state you can play an ace card, a doctrine, et cetera, on one plane in the same turn, or did I misunderstand this? So let's be clear what the rules say. The rules say that you can play one trait or doctrine or theater card plus a bonus card if you play a doctrine. And if you have an ace, you can then play an ace. So you really get a maximum of three cards. What the one over here could be a trait, a doctrine, or a theater, not all of the above. So one of the examples that we've been abusing, at least I know I've been abusing, um, is to play aggressive tactics, 
immediately use my tight turn as a bonus to keep that aggressive tactics, then also play superior armament and shoot. I can't do that because I can't play aggressive tactics and superior armament and tight turn with, as the bonus all in there. Because tight turn out here is the bonus, but I've got aggressive tactics and uh, superior armament. So that nerfs some of the pretty nice combos we've seen out there. Um, and I think that's something that we'll have to, as go throughout the community and just kind of realize, get people to understand is that the, that bundle of, of trait, doctrine, and theater, you get one of those for your interaction, whatever. Um, you, you don't get to this and this, this, go ahead. This is, this also clarifies last year at the Adepticon tournament, uh, we had a question come up about the usage of the deep pockets, right. right? If you could use the deep pockets for the initial boom chit and then again for that next boom chit, this would clarify that also that you can. Yeah, you, exactly. Right? In this case, you would get that one, that one opportunity because you're, you're being awarded two boom chits in the same interaction. So therefore you only get one card in that interaction now. So rules lawyers being what rules lawyers are, uh, is movement a different interaction than firing? So in movement, can I play a tight turn? I could I, movement. I would be aggressive tactics. Tight turn is a bonus to discard it. And then two phases later or a phase later after I've, I've done my movement where I do my pilot action and I shoot and play superior armament there. Is that a different interaction or is that the same activation? So I think, I think there's a lot of discussion still to be had about it. Um, but I, I do understand that we have been maximizing the number of cards we play. Uh, and I know at times we have probably even played a doctrine and a theater on top of each other. So we've played superior armament on top of a doctrine like opening shot uh, or something. So in other words, we've been adding bonus dice to a doctrine based shot, um, which you're not supposed to be able to do. Yeah, it would. It is interesting the clarification on that, right? Especially because when you look at just the practicality of how it's used, like from a from a perspective where you have kind of like a time limit on the game, right? It's kind of like, and you want the action to kind of go, right? right? right. So if guys are going to play that aggressive tactics, superior armament, you know, throw those combinations down in, in that setting, it's kind of like, oh, okay, you don't want to wind up at the end of your hour with six matches and a draw. <laughs> because those cards could have influenced the game. Yeah. yeah. Right. But it, it would be interesting how those different, you know, how those different interactions yeah. are viewed for sure. I don't know, Brett, what you think. I don't think it's game breaking what we've been doing. I think it's certainly min maxing in a lot of ways. We've been finding cards that we can stack in one action to do the most amount of damage uh, or the most amount of outmaneuver or whatever. Uh, but I don't think that any of it's been, you know, super, super cheaty. <laughs> Brett, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I've done it wrong, but it, it wasn't an intentional exploit or anything. Uh, and like you said, I don't think it's been game breaking. I can't think of a time where because I had that ultra powerful three card combo, I won the game. Uh, most likely, I don't have all those cards even exposed in my yeah. deck anyway, well, you know. And I, and I think what happens time. is you get this a lot of times when you're building a super offensive or super defensive deck. And so you're thinking of cards that are all going to stack together. Like you're thinking, okay, I'm going to take defensive tactics as a reaction to getting shot at, but then I'm also going to take 
low level haze so that if I'm shot at and I'm disadvantaged, I get plus one skill. Well, you know, that's that's a question of if I play that one, then I don't if I play sorry, if I play the the low level haze, then I don't have an opportunity to play defensive tactics, theoretically, in that same shooting. Yeah, that was got that was kind of my one of my questions we were talking about it earlier is you were saying during the interaction. So are some of the cards ones that you play when you're right. doing a thing, you know, increasing your shooting firepower or whatever. And some of them are reactive, some defensive thing that you play when somebody's doing something right. to you. In the does that mean that like I can you know, if I if I use my super shooty buff card, I can't use my super super defendy buff card when somebody shoots at me in the same. Well, you could because I that would, would be a different interaction. So we're saying that's that's not just a different, different activation; right. but it's a totally different interaction. But I think where it gets yeah. weird is if if I use an aggressive tactics is the perfect um, one. If I use aggressive tactics at the beginning of the turn, you know, during its activation, the plane makes a bonus forty five degree turn before moving. If if I do that there, can I then play a theater card when I shoot? Or if I have a large enough squadron, can I play another doctrine card on myself when I shoot? So if I had, let's say, aggressive tactics and uh, head on attack, you know, can I can I play aggressive tactics for the move? And then at the end of the, the turn when I'm when I'm shooting with a pilot action, can I then play head on attack? Yeah, you also have potentially some of those ace cards, like what is it, like Mother Hen, where the ace card actually affects a different aircraft. Right, right, right? and and so, ace I mean, cards are good because they always fall too. into that extra category. You can always play so them, the, yeah. but but the weird thing becomes some of those ace cards stack nicely with both a uh, theater and a doctrine, and so really the way it sounds is you're supposed to choose one or the other. Um, so I, I'll use a uh, uh, let's see here. I'm trying to find a good example. Um, yeah, like like cool under fire um, is another one being hit by shooting. So I would play defensive tactics at when I'm shot. Move. I could legally, if I if I get hit by the guy's roll, I could legally play cool under fire because it's an ace card. It's the same interaction. Um, but if I play defensive tactics, I can't play a robust at that point because I can't choose to play both a doctrine and a non-bonus trait at the same time. So interesting, interesting choices, which at the end of the day, I don't care because it just means more choices. It just, it is now forced you to separate some of these cards. So more tactical choices. I can't, you can't do everything every turn too bad. So sad. So not a big deal. I don't think. All right. Any other questions, rules, or things you've you've heard lately, or uh, other interactions in the ready room? Seen some nicely painted models on the ready room oh, yeah. recently. I know, and it's making me feel very jealous, but that's all right. <laughs> Somebody had a like every plane that uh, was it uh, Saburo Sakai right. flew on display yeah, that so there's been really some nice, nice ones. there's been some nice ace uh paint jobs i've seen so like that's also saw there's a fw190 series they did uh for each one of them so it looked pretty cool 
which is good because I've only been painting Aeronautica and uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol. So <laughs> not an aerial war game. Well, actually, I'm painting Iron Man, so that counts. He's a he's an aerial war game piece in Marvel Crisis Protocol. So we'll count when I do him. Wolverine and Storm, not yeah, so much. Storm yeah, too. Storm, I guess, counts. Storm, Storm is, counts right? as, a, as an aerial war gaming piece. So, yeah, the rest of them, not so much. <laughs> That's all right. I I did laugh. Uh, Chris and Matt both kind of lit into me today uh, about this whole thing. And, and I had to say, guys, I, I didn't say we had to buy Marvel Crisis Protocol. I just said that it was a fun game. I didn't say we had to actually go play this. So it's been fun building it. The models are pretty fiddly, um, but they uh, they paint up nice. And I've, I've really enjoyed it because each model's different. So it's not like painting an army where you're painting all the same thing over and over again. So. Brett, soon you'll be experiencing that. Yeah, I win. I win the prize for. I win the prize for uh, BRS modeling. Yeah, you've been knocking out stuff for the uh, furball. Sixty planes. <laughs> yeah, sixty planes on my bench right now, and I'm nearly done. So I'm excited to kind of. It's not been that bad, but um, I'm kind of ready to be done with that portion of the project. Yeah. The queue. Well, and I, I jokingly was thinking as I was you know typing notes into the. Uh, into the show notes tonight. I was thinking he was going, and Brett, what have you been doing for the podcast lately? I don't think you've been doing anything. <laughs> Steve's been modeling his ass off. I've been selling shit and boxing up. What have you been doing? Oh yeah, you've been painting all of our aircraft for the uh for the furball. So I appreciate that. I really do. Because if you're gonna rely on me to paint them, they'd all be olive drab with maybe blue canopies. Maybe not. <laughs> all right. Well, let's kind of summarize the year. I wanted to, you know, with the the minutes we have left go over some of the things that we'd seen, things that we'd heard, experienced otherwise, that were the goods and the bads, uh, but to kind of summarize where we've been this year. So let's start on a good note. Let's talk about some good things. Uh, Best gaming releases of 2023. Steve, I'm sure there's something that hits you that you're like, that's the best thing that came out this year. And if you say you're F100D, then I'll just laugh and... (laughs) Dude, 100% Wing Commander. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously. How could I not? How could you just not like, say because. How was it fun getting, how fun was it getting that? All the stuff that, you know, the lead pursuit guys had at, put in there. And 100% Wing Commander, be, best release of 2023. No doubt in my book. <laughs> I, I And I understand that. It was nice. You guys had a huge part of it. I mean, obviously yours, the campaign system was a, was a giant part of the book. My scenarios were a little bit in the front uh, and it was, it was good to get that out. So I think. That will be interesting to see what the follow-on iterations are. If there's more, uh, more compendiums that come out in the next couple of years, see what uh, Andy and everyone else does with the game. Brett, your best gaming release. This is actually the second <laughs> best gaming release. All right. Uh, so actually, I'm probably the least uh, gaming literate person here. So I actually did some research for these, and I came up with this. There's a there's a series of games from Osprey games called undaunted. And then uh, I think in June they released battle of Britain. It's their fifth in the series. It's a two player deck building game of aerial world war two combat. Costs you about 55 bucks. And uh, it sounds like it's, you know, it's, it's a deck building game. I've never played the, um, the undaunted series, but they sound like uh, they're well liked. And each each uh, iteration of the series introduces some new kind of mechanic mechanic to the overall game system, 
And this one, of course, is uh, brings you into uh, aerial war gaming for the first yeah, time. Yeah, I, I feel bad. I've got Undaunted North Africa it. sitting right over there on my shelf. That's been opened, but it hasn't been played yet. Uh, but uh, it's supposed to be really fun. Maybe if my gaming buddies would stop painting Marvel Crisis Protocol, we could play board games. Oh, I forgot. They don't like hex encounter games, which it really isn't a hex encounter game. It's a counter and square game or something like that. Anyway, yeah, I've, I've heard they're great games. I've got one of them. I've never played them. So I need to solve that problem. All right. What did I think was the best gaming release of 23? Everyone's probably going to laugh, but uh, literally the best release was Warlords Italian BRS release. And I don't say that because I'm any great fan of the Italian mafia in uh, World War II here, but the fact that we finally got those airplanes, finally got a faction that we had been clamoring for for a couple of years. We'd seen the models for, we knew they existed. We'd seen them painted up in the studio. And when they came out, they came out as a nice package with the squadrons, with the aces, the uh, the cards came out at the same time, so there were other aircraft you could play if you had models for those. Uh, that was a well do- well done release, Warlord. So thank you very much. We got most of the fighters we wanted, uh, and definitely got the the SM seventy nine, which was nice. And it was a pretty nice SM seventy nine sculpt. So overall, it was uh, that was a good release. That that will be a check in the good category. That's a W for uh, Warlord. Uh, we may talk about some L's here for Warlord as well, but that's all right. Okay. Uh, Kind of going down the next list, that worst gaming release. Let's talk about those L's that are not W's in in the game company's column. Steve, what was a big loser for you this time around? All right, man, I hate to do it, but I'm going to do it. it. Wing Commander. (laughs) Also the worst release. I mean, I I I am not a literary mastermind at all but I've gotten several advanced degrees by copy and pasting <laughs> and you cannot make that many copy paste errors in one document. Come well, on. Well, yes. Yes, you can. It is in fact possible. It is improbable, but it is, it is possible. And I'll agree with you on that one. That was frustrating to me, obviously, because I think between Dan Dion and I, we took the, the brunt of some of these errors with, with scenario lists and things being put together improperly that literally made my favorite scenario that was in there unplayable because you didn't have the force list, but that's okay. I'll just cry in my beer later. Uh, yeah, so that that's a big other. That's a big other, Warlord. Do do the uh, <clears throat> the due diligence. And I know who's who the guilty bastards are. Uh, guilty bastards. When I see you next, you'll owe me a lot of beer. Guilty bastards who didn't prove freedom when they should have. But uh, it's it's Warlord. It's almost like we expect it, right? I hate I hate to say that. I always try to be a champion of Warlord, but we expect bad proofreading at some point, and this time it bit us. So, all right. Well, <clears throat> moving on from that, Brett, worst gaming release twenty twenty three. You can't say you can't say Wing Commander. Well, it's already been taken. It's not, <laughs> yeah, it's not a. This is an aerial war gaming, but. I was kind of hoping Casey would be on. We haven't had a furry report from Casey in a while. I don't even know what the status of furries in Texas are. Yeah, I don't want to take over the mantle of, uh, you know, given the furry report. I still want to leave that to Casey. But in honor of Casey, the worst game release was Barrow of the Fallen Bear, which uh, bills itself as a gay furry visual novel. Well, fascinating. Fascinating. um, Yeah, apparently the... uh, the the whole idea of the game is you choose your you choose your character as either a top or a bottom, 
and you try to get laid by everyone. That's you actually encounter. a game. Fascinating. And, um, <laughs> it's an actually, yeah, yeah. It was, it was considered one of the worst games. Some uh, game critics said that uh, despite claiming legitimacy, this game sets the uh, furry identifiers back more than a decade. So well, probably needs exactly stricken from record, never to be talked about again. Uh, Is that any relation to that Adepticon game, Vagistrong, <laughs> from last year? I must have missed that one as well. Do, do tell us now that you've opened that can of worms. No, wasn't that a game people were playing, Vagistrong? <laughs> wasn't it? I think we were. We were. Maybe when we came back from having margaritas, we saw some folks playing a a ghost game in the lobby of the Hyatt, and just the lettering of the uh, game on the the box <laughs> art. It looked like it said Vagistrong. It was oh. something song. I think the actual name. Now I think the actual name was a Vagrant Song. Well, the, the more but the more important point is, if you want to have a good Saturday night, hang out with the lead pursuit crew and drink margaritas at Fat Rosie's. That's that's the lesson to be learned there. Not what the worst release of 2023 was, but uh, hang out with lead pursuit. So put that on your your Saturday schedule uh, and recovery on Sunday morning. All right. So uh, not to miss a chance to kick Warlord while they're down. The worst gaming release of 2023 that I picked was the warlord he 111 also a model that we'd waited for an iconic model a model that we clamored for and we're just losing our minds waiting for it to come out and then the wings didn't fit on all of the models and yes i understand the physics of it guys i get it all the warlord apologists are going to tell me how hard spin cast resin is and how hard and how each of the models are different and they come out differently i bro i get the physics of it but selling people models that don't fit, that then they break when they put together, has to be the worst gaming release possible. So I'm going to ask more fit or less fit issues than the Wildcat Triangle. Ooh, ooh. I would say it is less fit issues because fewer were made. But I'll also say, in a thoroughly self serving way, Thank you, Warlord, for fucking that release up so bad because I can't keep HE111 3D prints in stock because people are buying so many of them because you fucked that release up. So please don't yeah, please don't tell us how how 3D printing is killing the the miniatures industry. No, shitty miniatures are killing the miniatures industry. Produce good shit and people will buy it. So now I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> All right. I won't be getting a Christmas card from Warlord next year. I can tell you that. All right. Uh, most anticipated release that did not happen in 2023. Steve, what were you waiting for that you just didn't see? All right. This is an aerial war game. We've talked about it. Uh, it's not our typical fare of aerial war game. think they'd be good to have on the podcast. Going to Kickstarter soon, Dragon Strike. Dude, yes. Yes. I think it's like kind of like a uh it looks like it's sort of similar to Aeronautica Imperialis, kind of where it has pre-planned moves on a hex and almost kind of AI hexes combined with wings of glory, yep. kind of the moves, and then uh with some cool dragons. So yeah, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm kind of psyched for this dragon strike to come out, man. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Brett, what did you what were you waiting for and just waiting to spend your money and it didn't materialize? 
Uh, well, this might be a stretch because I don't know that I was really waiting for it, but maybe you remember Space Marine yep. 1. Yep. Or just Space Marine, the video game, right? So I guess Space Marine 2 was supposed to come out this year and it's been delayed until like, I don't know, second yeah. half of yeah. next year. And uh, I've only, I've seen the trailer. It looks It does look cool. cool. And I need, I need another game. The I reason I, there, if I had to think, yeah, I guess if I was going to say I was excited about it, it's because uh, Gavin got a game console. I'm not even sure what, if it's even available on consoles or if I think it's, it's going like, to be on console. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So Gavin got a console for Christmas. Maybe that's something we'll play, but mostly excited because I remember how much, uh, attention 40k got from people who didn't know anything about it when the first game came out so maybe if the second game is awesome yeah, it'll do yeah. similar right yeah. I, i'm looking forward to that i actually have been resisting picking up rogue trader uh i was reading a couple of articles about it today and a couple of people were asking me they're like hey have you, have you got rogue trader yet i'm like no i don't want to don't need to waste that much of my time yet but my favorite article on that one was uh, talking about how literally every choice in the game is reprehensible and literally every one of the members of your party you choose and you hire and you recruit, they're all reprehensible people and your only job is to keep them from being totally horrible people. Uh, so <laughs> I'm like, this sounds like my kind of game. I'd really enjoy this. Um, but uh, yeah, everything everything from 40K that, that comes out uh, can either be hit or miss. And I think both those are going to be, both are going to be big hits. All right. My... Most anticipated release that did not happen. This is going to surprise some people. Eagle Leader and Fulcrum Leader. Where the fuck are those games? Those are supposed to be out. The Kickstarter was a year ago. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could blame that on someone other than myself. But myself, Ben Chi, and, uh, and Phil. Yeah, we, uh, <clears throat> we've pretty much fucked that one away. No, uh, a lot of art changes, a lot of other excuses that we could make. But it's not out. And it's waiting on some more final reviews and maybe it'll go to the printer and then there's Chinese new year and shit, it's going to be April of 24 before that damn game comes out. So my apologies. If you were waiting on fulcrum leader, well, damn it. So am I, I sure would like to have my physical copy. Um, but yeah, that one's been fucked away and fucked away seven ways to Sunday. So <clears throat> no recovering that at this point. All right. Now moving on from games themselves to Gaming moments. We had some of them at Adepticon. We had some at uh, Historicon. Uh, fortunately, I have some uh, every week with Chris. Uh, what was your best or worst gaming moment of 2023? Steve. Got th Steve's thinking about that one. It's going to be tough. Brett. Oh. I mean, the sombrero That's is not the a first gaming thing moment. that comes to mind. It's not <laughs> that actually count. a gaming moment. <laughs> you wearing a sombrero at Fat Rosie's is not a gaming moment. Well, I mean, we played when we were at Historicon. We, I mean, at Fall In, we played uh, some yeah. bolt action. That was pretty substantial for me because you know we we modeled up a bunch of stuff and we'd been wanting to play for a while. That was yeah. a lot of fun, and we had a like. Get a lot of help to get that game. You know, we we were like, I don't know, 
will will yeah. play for food. Like I, I think he like pretty much bummed off of everybody. Rule books and design. terrain and probably dice even. That actually could be up there for like worst gaming <laughs> moment of playing. Like oh, that was not so necessarily bad worst, bad but probably pathetic. most embarrassing. Your most embarrassing <laughs> gaming so moment. Pathetic. Hi, I'm a bolt action player. Can I can I borrow your rule book? <laughs> <laughs> your order dice, your rule book, your table. Yeah, oh, it was so. Pathetic. So thank you once again to the fall in bolt action crowd for supporting the two vagrants that are on this podcast, Steve and Brett. Uh, but yeah, thanks for getting those guys through their their game of bolt action. Steve, you got to choose a different moment. You can't you can't take yeah, the same I one as Brett. My, my favorite is probably just uh, you know getting the streaming stuff kind of up and going to yeah. where it is at this point, right? So like Adepticon, we're just kind of like rolled it out as like a proof of concept, and I think what we learned then at uh oklahoma which oh man dude that big game at oklahoma might be the best game you want what was that pirate game called yeah, oh yeah fistful of semen fistful of semen scratch the streaming that's my yeah. all-time favorite that was my favorite <laughs> gaming moment that game was awesome in oklahoma the 20 steve no in a rowboat <laughs> oh yeah having that's to it. go fistful of semen fistful of semen oklahoma favorite gaming moment that was awesome yeah, yeah that that is that is uh, such a great party game and social game so yeah yeah absolutely uh let's see so for me mine's kind of a best and the worst uh every monday i get together and we play aeronautica imperialis and so we have about six seven guys uh that show up uh and you know bring their best game and it's a lot of fun and it can be the best gaming moment especially like this last week when i absolutely crushed chris's emperor's children force Uh, that was awesome uh, or it could be the worst gaming moments when my buddy Connor is beating the shit out of me with his Necrons to the point where it's just not even fun anymore. So, uh, yeah, it's it's good because it gives me uh, kind of a weekly chance to either uh, get crushed or to go do some killing. But it's also been a good chance for us to test missions for Adepticon, test some terrain layouts, test some new uh, some new scenario special rules, uh, and have some fun doing that. So. I got to say a huge thanks on my part um, to the High Ground Hobbies uh, team out there in Madison, Alabama, uh, to Wes and the the crew from Stiffneck Studios. Thanks for hosting us out there and for giving us uh, the good rooms when everything, all your other gaming tables are filled and for taking care of us. And then thanks, obviously, uh, to our merry band of brothers that show up every week um, to push little airplanes around uh, and make 40K pew pew sounds. So that's been a lot of fun. It's been good to have a recurring gaming group. All right. Well, that pretty much summarizes the year. Anything else anyone wants to remind us of? There's so much of the year I'd rather forget. <laughs> uh, any other things, Steve, that we need to need to make sure we touch on Man, going into 24? Yeah, I was actually just kind of thinking back through, like, uh, Missile Threat. Like, first time I actually got to play some Missile yep. Threat. That was yep. pretty cool. That was a 2023 thing, right? I feel like that game has some serious potential there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, the Snapship Tactics, like that was another cool game that was kind of a 2023 release, oh, yeah. right? Yep. That just thought about super cool. Uh, I guess kind of looking back over 2023, it was it was a pretty good year for gaming, right? It was a lot of, I think there was a lot of new stuff that at the beginning of 2023 would not have expected it at all. Right. And it kind of like snuck in there, so. Yeah, here's a 2024. Absolutely. Guess, huh? Brett, any other things to remember to think about? Uh, my 
gray, still gray. I just realized it's been two years. Arena Rex models. So sad. So, so sad. (laughs) It is painful. We were just talking about how we need maybe get at least one of those painted up before Adepticon. Yeah, I've, like I said, I've, I've enjoyed Marvel Crisis Protocol, but I have a still a number of gray airplanes uh, from AI, a ton of gray pff, BRS airplanes. I don't even want to think about that. And uh, now I have this box of Legion Imperialis bullshit. <laughs> I got to make all these little tanks, not to mention all the infantry. So yeah, I've I've got a, a big, huge wave of gray sitting on my hobby table here, but at least I've rearranged everything. So my hobby space is, is much more accessible now, which is good. That doesn't mean I'm making a whole lot of progress. Well, for me, the the biggest change this year, um, I shouldn't necessarily say change, but the, the biggest thing that I want to remember uh, and really give a shout out to the Blood Red Skies community is thank you for patronizing the Lead Pursuit store because we wouldn't be able to give away free t-shirts. We wouldn't be able to do glasses and swag and all kinds of other crazy stuff at any one of these events if you didn't buy your Blood Red Skies shit from us. So absolutely thanks for all that uh, obviously let, you know this year uh, even with inflation and all things going on economically uh, it was still a good year for lead pursuit it allowed us to expand our lines steve thank you for all the 3d models that um that you've now added to our lineup uh, obviously thanks to roman for the work he's done to add to to the lead pursuit lineup we have a number of exclusive models out there that are really trying to scratch that itch for some of these new eras to uh, to move Blood Red Skies forward. Because once again, our goal is to help the community by one, having stuff in the store all the time, and two, filling in the gaps where Warlord doesn't have models. So that's why we do a lot of the 3D printing and a lot of the, uh, the design that we do. Um, and I think people are enjoying it. So hopefully we'll get a lot more of that next year, play a lot more 50s and 60s jet battles, uh, kind of knock the rust off some of those uh, those scenarios that have been out there for a while. All right, guys, anything else in closing? Or are we all ready to wrap it up? I guess we are. No one has sent us a new closing line. I'm I'm so, so disappointed. I feel like everybody's just kind of settling for keep climbing for advantage. But there's got to be something better out there. All right, so maybe that's that's the task for 24. We'll get a better finishing line. All right. With that, thanks for listening to us. Please like and review the podcast. Uh, Send us your comments. Send us comments on social media. Let us know what we screwed up. Let us know what we're terrible at, like editing audio, (laughs) like finding uh, new taglines for the end of the show. And uh, hopefully we'll see a large number of you at Adepticon and at the rest of the events next year. So looking forward to having a great 2024 with all you guys. And keep climbing for advantage. What about like... It's just a game, you idiot. Or like, like, <laughs> it's just a game, you D-bag. <laughs> remember, it's just a game. <laughs> and remember, it's just a game about little plastic airplanes. You effing D-bag. And remember, it's just a game. Brett, Brett's got to have something funny on that. I don't know. You snapping tail. Brett's just all... He's not liquored up enough. You need more liquor tonight. Am I the only one drinking? Yeah.